0: As for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Oreska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. This is last episode of the human technology podcast on ces 2024 i mean it's already far behind the horizon behind us but uh yeah i would like to add one more round of thoughts on the consumer electronics show in las vegas the episode four weeks ago i talked about Trends, The generic trends, where is our industry, the automotive industry, the high-tech industry, the consumer electronics industry, where is it going? What are the big trends that, that I saw? Two weeks ago in the second episode about the CES, I had a focus on products that I found exciting, cool, strange, whatever, So um, that that was the second one. And now uh, in the third episode, I will focus on five questions that I brought home from Las Vegas. When seeing all the exhibits, when strolling through the uh, show floor, when talking to people, when discussing with network peers... Uh, Very often things come up that either I had not thought of or that I had not been aware of, but at the very end of the day, um, yeah, I I picked all those up and condensed them into five questions that that I have. uh, And I won't have all the answers here in this podcast. Some of them... Maybe maybe we can find the answer in, in a separate podcast episode, uh, but most of these questions are so complex and so core and so um, uh, basic by means of being the basis of uh, our thinking and acting that maybe a simple answer is not possible at all. Maybe even there is no answer at all. Uh, even even complex answers may not be sufficient to answer all the questions I'm having but I'll make a try so I um, will let you know my thoughts on the uh, things that I found unclear or that open up horizons or yeah so five questions. Um, what are the five questions the first one is and this is a real big one where is the automotive industry heading? The second question is, what will be the future role of artificial intelligence in the vehicle industry? And this as an industry as a whole, from uh, development, through marketing, through fleet management, down to uh, in-vehicle or general user experiences. So what, what will be the role of artificial intelligence? Third questions: how can we realize the benefits of software-defined uh, vehicles? I had an episode on this one uh, a few weeks ago, I think it was early December. So if you're interested in that one specifically, um, go back and, and uh, listen to that. Yeah, so, so uh, how can we realize the, the benefits out of this? Then a little bit of a nasty question, number four is, have automotive HMIs, automotive human-machine interfaces, have they reached the end? Is the end near for what we see in cars are? And number five is, how can we benefit from the VUCA world we're living in? VUCA stands for volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. So these are the five questions I'm having. So let's jump right into the first one. Where is the automotive industry heading? We are facing on any level of the automotive industry super strong changes. When I discuss in my network, when I talk to my business partners, my suppliers, my clients... I feel that there is tons of uncertainty on where are we going with this industry. It's obvious that we have dramatic changes here in data connectivity, in software-defined vehicles, in business models, in the integration of artificial intelligence, in the electrification of the drivetrain, in uh, automation of driving so there are tons of things coming at the same time and on the other hand we carry around a big and heavy backpack of heritage in our industry and it is a slow industry and it is not the most agile fastest quick decision making kind of industry and this is a good thing cars are very safe objects they have a comparably high uh, rate of availability Um, they're very stable they're very well developed and so the slow the slow pace of of the automotive industry results in these highly reliable products and if We have problems in cars today, it's not with a brake, it's not with a suspension, it's hardly ever with the engines. It is with the electronics, the software, so the part that is new in cars and that is heavily under pressure to be agile, fast, direct. So there's a good reason for for, for the slow pace we have here. On the other hand, there are car companies out there that are much faster than the big and traditional players. Tesla, for example, they introduced different business models, uh, different dealership models. They introduced uh, online car purchases, remote services, over-the-air updates, all these things. And somebody here in Germany disassembled a Tesla and was super surprised that there is just one computing box on this car. My thought was, I am surprised that somebody is surprised about this. Because Tesla starts from scratch, and they're rethinking the entire thing, the entire car. And sure, they're having since years and years just one computing box in a car that does more or less everything. And this is why it's much easier to control it. For the, 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 the basic technology of software-defined vehicles is um, a big computing box in a car and not distributed systems... That need to communicate with each other, that have hierarchy problems, that come from different suppliers, that speak different languages—all this is not happening. So it is possible. It's just like—I um, I will come back to this uh, when we talk about software. You find vehicles, but uh, the collaboration between Honda and Sony. Yeah, this shows that we're facing new partnerships in the industry. The traditional car makers producing what a traditional car is. Suspension and drivetrain, wheels and tires and brakes and crash zones and aerodynamics. And and this this is what the automotive industry is really, really good in. And on the other side, we have um, software companies uh, like Sony, like Google, like Apple... Like uh, some of the Chinese companies that really press hard to get into vehicles because they have exactly this kind of software that uh, users expect that that the drivers uh, want to have on their dashboards. So we are having again a different different business models facing here and then mobility behavior will change. At the moment, we still have something like 1.2, 1.3 persons uh, sitting in every car with things like car sharing, like uh, uh, ride hailing, with pooling. Uh, Then We will have different kinds of of mobility in in large parts of the world. We need this if we have a look at at our cities, how they look like. We are finding new players like uh, Huawei, for example, or Foxconn or Xiaomi, um, they're entering the electric vehicle market. And they're not entering it through the traditional vehicle pathway, but they're entering it through the software and the uh, uh, connectivity, the data gateway. So we will have new partnerships, new developments. Um, there will be acquisitions. I heard a couple of totally frightening things uh, in the past days. So uh, if that confirms, I will make a podcast about uh, some news uh, that that I heard. Let's wait and see. Um, Maybe we have uh, reached the Nokia moment in the automotive industry. Nokia, to those of you that uh, are a little younger, was in the 90s a very successful, or early zeros until 2010, very successful mobile phone company out of Finland. They were controlling the market. They made great devices. I had a couple of Nokia phones. Um, I loved them. Great, great things. But they missed to jump into the smartphone age. This industry, the the mobile phone industry, changed completely in January two thousand and seven when Steve Jobs showed the first iPhone. It took only a few years until everyone had a smartphone. Yeah, big piece of glass, touchscreen. Uh, some some operating system behind this, and uh, then apps to download. That, that was the new thing. And Nokia just didn't jump onto that. They just forgot, or they just didn't do it. They just didn't pick up that trend. They did not reflect that in their products. And the question here is, are the traditional car makers facing the same thing? They're missing a lot of the... Um, electric drivetrains, a lot of the data infrastructure, a lot of uh, autonomous driving or uh, automated driving. There's not really too much happening in this and that the Chinese car makers at the moment, they just pass by. So BYD, Build Your Dreams, um, just passed even Tesla and global sales figures of electric cars. This is an obvious sign that, that we're going to face new players in the market Coming um, are mainly out of China, um, similar player as Winfast out of Vietnam. Um, they are all playing pretty much in the same direction with electric cars and trying to get into user needs. And yeah, um, plus the fact that if I look into my client base, many of them are first tier suppliers and. All of them, almost all of them, they are reducing their staff. If it is Continental, ZF, Bosch, Forisha, Vistion, they all have released people or plan to do so. So there is a reduction in that area because these players are not able to, to cope with it anymore. And again, the question is and I discussed this already a couple of times how is the relationship between an OEM, a car maker on one side, and a supplier, first-tier, second-tier, third-tier supplier. Um, how, how is that designed? And in the old times, these suppliers uh, received a specification uh, on their technology, built that one, and pushed it out to, to the OEM. And then a time came when uh, the OEM said, hey, be innovative, be cool, um, help us. And then they started developing own technologies. They had an own innovation roadmap. And today it swings back. So all the all the um, first-tier suppliers I'm talking to say, hey, we are trapped in a gap. Oh, no, we are, we are trapped in a trap. We are in a trap. Um, on one side, the OEMs want us to develop exactly what they have specified, what is in there, what, what their thoughts are, what their ideas are. And on the other side, they expect us to be innovative. But they cut the prices so much that we don't have any, any money to play with any, any free gambling resources uh, so that we can be innovative. And this is uh, almost every supplier talks about and says, hey, what shall we do? What, what can we do um, about this one? And again, this is a change in the automotive industry. And to be not negative only, there are a couple of positive things. There is a high-tech mindset, even in the established companies. They know exactly what they're doing. There is a deep understanding of the German, European, U.S. car makers of the local markets, of the local needs, of how people are here. And I'm hearing this over and over again, that these Chinese guys, they are aware that there is a... Uh, difference, a cultural difference, uh, market difference an acceptance difference between China and the rest of the world. But uh, they are having difficulties in deriving the right actions and into to, to taking the right activities and to starting the right developments to be successful And at the very end of the day if there is no long term no European US American uh, car maker left, then we will need to cope with Chinese HMI's, Chinese services, uh, Chinese philosophy in in our cars. And the question remains: um, Will that be enough? Will the fact that uh, the Western, uh, the traditional, the established OEMs know their business, know their, uh, have have very good control over their supply chain? have uh, network dealerships, um, have the cultural knowledge, if that will be enough or whether we will see the German, European, US American automotive industry fading during my lifetime. Let's move on to the second question. What will be the role, the future role of artificial intelligence in the vehicle industry? Artificial intelligence was the absolute dominant thing um, at the CES. Everybody was talking about it. Hardly any booth without some AI or smart or whatever um, science and, and activities. So that is a dominant thing. And it will change our lives in a very short time frame. For the automotive industry, um, this includes the way we develop, sell and use cars. So software developers often already use ChatGPT or other similar tools to write code. So I have tried it and um, it didn't work very well. There must have been a serious problem somewhere. But basically you can get code out of ChatGPT and you can copy and paste that into some editor and rework it and then run it. This is one thing I saw the, um, on the right where BOOF, I saw an HMI tooling that uses artificial intelligence. It is a bit like like dall E for example, where you describe uh, a picture, paint me a picture of this and this and that style. And uh, what they showed was an AI based tool where he said, "I want to have a cluster instrument of a vehicle. On the left side, there shall be a round speedometer. On the right side, some ADAS functionality, and in the center stack, uh, a window for media. And please make it pink and glossy." And then uh, this this uh, tool put out 20 different designs meeting exactly this criteria. So we will have AI here it will be an uh, it will speed up the development it will make easier to create variants but it will definitely change the way developers work in the automotive industry marketing sales the distribution of vehicles of fleets of managing fleets all this will be supported by artificial intelligence by algorithms So, again, this will change the anti-mobility industry, not only the car industry, but the anti-mobility industry drastically. And then at the very end, the question, how will it change our vehicles? How will it change our vehicle interiors? And maybe you are aware that I'm working on the Carly project, which is funded by the German government. And there we analyze what are opportunities for artificial intelligence in vehicle interiors? We talk about motion sickness, we talk about uh, driver behavior and we talk about uh, adaption of, of HMIs and we have a look at how do HMIs adapt to use cases, to specific uses, to environments, to you know, weather, to driving styles to tasks users have with their car. How, how, how does it adapt to it? And again, we have artificial intelligence algorithms in there that change it, um, that may change the in- input channels and, and the fonts and the functionalities. And so this is all what we will have. So at the very end, the entire automotive industry from the very early development phase through marketing, sales, fleet management, down to personalized in-vehicle experiences will be steered by artificial intelligence. Question number three. How can we realize the benefits of software-defined vehicles? Software-defined vehicle means that you have a central computing unit in the car and that a lot of what the car actually is, how it behaves, how you can experience it as a user, is defined through software. And we have something between traditional cars, between 20 and 100 different control units on boards, all running with proprietary software, often supplied by different companies, different suppliers. So the big step here is hardware. Change, which at the very end of the chain then leads to a experience change, a change of the in vehicle experience that we have. We see partnerships. Um, the most obvious one uh, is the one between Honda and, and Sony, where Honda does everything that is the Affila the, the car, and then Honda does everything that is related to the car itself, to the, the core car. Um, the body, the trim, the uh, suspension, the drivetrain, the aerodynamics, the crash tests, everything is done by them. And in the interior, Sony is putting all the software, creating experiences, first of all in this pillar to pillar, A-pillar to A-pillar uh, driver screen or uh, front, front seat passenger screen. And whatever is happening on that screen that uh, is driven by this software and that is driven by Sony, which with its uh, super high competence in um, consumer devices, in uh, end user devices, in um, user experience so that they are very good in this and they put this in into a car. And the question here again is how how, how can we benefit from this and there are a lot of technological solutions out there, and yes, we need to talk a lot about safety, about um, anti-hacking devices, about how to program, how to write it, and getting all the functionalities together. At the very end, the question is: How can we turn this into mind uh, into into use cases? In the very end, I mean, we have with the software device, uh, software defined vehicles. We are having. Products out there that are highly flexible, and that you can, you can tune, that you can fine tune to um, all the different, uh, uh, different, different brands and models. So you can use software-defined vehicles to create differences between brands and models, so identity can be created. And then the question is, do we really need to create a brand identity of the car out of it? If you have a fleet um, of, or a company, uh, a car company, and in Germany, it's it's, uh, Miles is the most popular one with a car sharing fleet. Then they have different cars, like an Audi and a Volkswagen and a Mercedes and a BMW, and you can use that. And you get into this car, and then you will have a Mercedes-specific, a BMW-specific, a Volkswagen, Audi, Seat, whatever specific user experience, user interfaces. For me, the 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 one thing that we can do here is for the for the car sharing fleets is that you create a miles specific user experience, that you get well it, independent from what car it is, you will find your service specific HMI, you will have a graphic design, you have a style, you have a styling that is specific for that company, and we already have this system out there, so if you get into aircrafts, uh, you care about the airline. Am I flying Ryanair or EasyJet on one side or Qatar or Singapore Airline on the other side? Yeah, you can see that from, from uh, the seats and uh, the, uh, the, the entertainment branding. And At the end of the day, only experts care and only experts detect whether you sit in a Boeing or an Airbus aircraft. You, you just don't see it. The entire thing is for the passenger: is what airline are you in? And I can foresee, based on software-defined vehicles, the same thing happening uh, in, in in the car industry. And we see all these uh, cooperations that car companies are opening their doors to to software companies. So companies like Huawei, like like Foxconn. Um, they are all pressing themselves into cars. Apple is very strong in this. Google is very strong in this, and uh, so yeah. So this this is a uh, very very um, let's say it shows the way into the into the future as far as software defined uh, vehicles are concerned. All right. Question number four: Have automotive HMIs reached the end? are we at an end here? And if, if you walk around uh, at, at the show floor, if you see the cars there, um, or I had a rental car of a German-American company uh, last weekend when I was at, at Mallorca. When you see at this, when I look at this, it's just like, hey, come on, guys, you're not serious, right? It doesn't look very good. Um, it looks all more, more or less the same. It is not anyhow individual. And it's just like, yeah, me too stuff that's going on there. And sometimes it's it's even performed uh, pretty poorly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was disappointed. You have different kinds of architectures. Maybe you have a landscape center stack display or portrait uh, center stack display. Maybe you have a cluster. Maybe you have a head up display. Maybe you have a pillar to pillar screen. Yeah, but, but that's it, basically. You have a couple of physical architectures and and those are the difference that you may have between vehicles. So the new and exciting and sparkling cool stuff is, is not happening there. What I saw at CES is that in the underwear, in the lower software levels, in the electronics level, levels, and the connectivity levels, there is happening a lot at the moment. So Android Auto, Android Automotive, um, Apple CarPlay, um, they are repositioned uh, all the operating systems. Green Hills had a couple of very cool stuff they showed at their booth. And maybe next year in 25 or maybe in 26, we will maybe see more visible HMI innovation. My feeling is it could be that we have reached a plateau, in the HMI development. And now from the lower levels of technology, things are changing and they are popping up. uh, And it takes a little time to turn this into use cases, to turn this into visible applications, into graphic designs, and uh, then create innovations that are really, um, let's say, recognizable, that you can see, that you can feel, that are um, out there. All right, now the final question. It's a little similar like the first one we had. How can we benefit from the VUCA world we are living in? And VUCA means volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Or as my colleague and friend, uh, Jair says, there is no new normal. There is only a never normal. This is something that I believe, so change will be the new standard. The the new normal will be that we will see constant changes. And in technology, I'm always talking about in my keynotes about the hockey stick that we have. So the, the speed of technological development, the amount of devices, the capability of devices. Under any aspect, we have this hockey stick development because it's an exponential growth and this is the same for the car industry this is the same for any tech industry we will see new players we will see companies dying and so the entire thing will be totally totally volatile and we don't know where the future players are today which of the companies will survive uh, we, we we see a cleaning process a, a, they're they're tidying up the chinese automotive industry at the moment. So there are brands and companies dying, but we don't know which one uh, they are. Then it's awfully complex and and it's uh, ambiguous. So uh, the only chance we have, if we want to remain in the game, if we still want to be part of the future game, the only chance we have is adapt to this See change, see constantly changing environments, technologies, development processes, customer bases as a normal. So that the change is the only constant that we have in this development. So be prepared, be prepared that things will change faster and faster. All right, so I talked about five different questions I brought home from the CES in Las Vegas this year. Number one, where is the automotive industry heading? Uh, totally unclear. I don't have an answer. Um, everything is under movement and maybe one day we will see that our beautiful brands in Europe and the US will be part of Chinese Companies and um, yeah, I'm, bit, I, I, I'm not that negative, but uh, we need to take care to avoid the Nokia moment in our industry. What will be the future role of artificial intelligence in the vehicle industry? That was number two. On any level, everywhere from developments through marketing, sales, fleet management, down to the in-vehicle experience, uh, AI will play a central role. How can we realize, number three, how can we realize the benefits of software-defined vehicles? Big chances to do things from uh, over-the-air updates through branding and vehicle and brand differentiations, even if it's not between cars, but between service providers. That is one thing. Then, um, have automotive HMIs reach the end? I think it's more a plateau that we have reached, and I see in the technological underwear, in the software, in the operating systems, in the hardware, Um, changes coming that will lead to visible and experienceable changes in the next years. And how can we benefit from the VUCA world we are living in? We need to prepare for change. The world is volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. Be prepared for this and um, yeah, there is no new normal. There's only a never normal. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an unknown exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites peter-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de. Write me an email on podcast at beyond-hmi.de. Do in the next time. Take care and stay healthy.